We're in Psalm chapter 9 today on this Friday, and yesterday we were in the first two verses of Psalm chapter 9, which say, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. And we talked about the importance of praising the Lord with your whole heart. Your whole heart needs to be given straight to the Lord and seeking to please him and praise him. And let's keep reading. We're going to read verses 3 through 10 today in Psalm 9. The Bible says, When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou sattest in the throne judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast destroyed cities, their memorial is perished with them. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in the times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. What I see in this passage is a little challenge I've entitled, What Trouble Does for Us? What Trouble Does for Us? And I have four points between verses 3 and 10. Last Sunday in Sunday school, and I mentioned it in the men's meeting Wednesday, uh, an interesting prayer request we saw that you should pray for your children is for character. But it's tough to pray for character for your children, because what that means is they are going to go through hard times because character is only developed in adversity, never in comfort. Charles Spurgeon wrote, in the ancient times, a box on the ear, mean a hit, given by a master to a slave meant liberty. Little would the freedman care how hard was the blow. By a stroke from the sword, the warrior was knighted by his monarch. Small matter was it to the new made knight if the royal hand was heavy. He goes on, when the Lord intends to lift his servants into a higher stage of spiritual life, he frequently sends them a severe trial. He makes his Jacobs to be prevailing princes, but he confers the honor after a night of wrestling and accompanies it with a shrunken sinew. Be it so, who among us would wish to be deprived of the trials if they are the necessary attendants of spiritual advancement? Speaking of our Wednesday night men's meeting, the lesson was the preparation of a spiritual leader, how God prepares and develops leaders. And if you were there, I know that you were tremendously helped by it because we saw that whatever, exactly whatever God has put us through up to this point, whether it was the sin of someone else, whether it was the redemptive grace that you and I received after we had fallen for sin or something, whether it was a tough home life, a good home life, whatever it was, that all went into making us the person that God can perfectly use today because God can use anything for anything. And when we look at trouble, what can trouble do for us? Now, we already know that the Lord promises that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus. So 
we know that there is something to be learned, something to be gained, something to be challenged by in everything God allows to come our way. And when you discover that, before I get into these points, when you discover and you settle in your heart that the things God is sending your way is going, if you submit to it, if you submit to God's working in your life, it is going to turn for good. It's all going to work together for good to make you conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is God's will for everyone. So what does trouble do for us? Well, number one, we see in verse three, it shows God's power. It shows God's power. Look at verse three. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. God's presence brings comfort to his people and panic to his enemies. How you view God depends on what you've done with Jesus. If you've been saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through his death on the cross, his blood, his death, burial, and resurrection, then the presence of God is everything to you. It's what you seek in the morning. It's what you seek during the day when it's hard at work, when you have a difficult customer or when there's trouble at home or when a child brings home a bad grade and you're not sure how to help. You constantly run to, even if just for a moment, in a breath while you're talking to somebody else, you're seeking the presence of God. However, if you have not received the gift of God, which is salvation through Jesus Christ, then the gift of, or excuse me, the presence of God brings you terror. If you have not received Christ by faith, then you are under the judgment of God. You will one day be judged on your works and be found guilty. However, if you have run to Jesus as your refuge, you will not fall or perish, but will be held up and will stand steadfast. So number one, when trouble comes, it shows us God's power to get us through. It reveals to us God's power. Number two, what else does trouble do for us? How can we benefit from trouble? It shows God's performance. Number four, verse number four, when for thou hast maintained my right and my cause, thou sattest in the throne judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. So we know that God is just, he is good. God was on David's side because David was on the side of right. And God is on our side when we are on his side. Listen, if, if you're in the right, you don't need to be calling people and convincing people. If you are in righteousness and you're doing right, the Lord is on your side because you're on God's side. Isn't it good to know that God is on his throne? He never steps away for a lunch break. His line is never busy. It never takes him a couple days to get back. He is sitting on his throne judging right. Now, I don't know anybody like that. I don't know anybody who's always available, who always answers, but that's God. God's power, God's performance. What else? Number three, what does trouble do for us? It reminds us of God's permanence. God's permanence. Look at verse number six. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast destroyed cities, their memorials perished with them. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. You know, any one kingdom may seem very powerful at a given time. A strong dictator 
may rise up. The world fears somebody like Vladimir Putin. What's he going to do? An emperor may command control of many millions at any point in history, but every earthly kingdom eventually comes to an end. But the Lord, the Bible says, shall endure forever. Now, verse number eight is quite a verse. It says, he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. We know that is prophetical still. It was true then, but it's still coming because Paul actually used this verse in his sermon to the superstitious Athenians in Acts 17, verse 31. He said, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, Wherefore, he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So we know that this is talking about Jesus Christ. He shall judge the world in righteousness. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be dismayed at what wicked people get away with today in this world. But one day, the Lord Jesus Christ will visibly return and rule the earth with a rod of iron from the throne of David. We've looked at that the last two Sunday nights. Then in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no vestige of sin remaining, and we will praise the Lord forever and ever because he endures forever and ever. You wouldn't know comfort without trouble. You wouldn't know how comforting justice is unless you'd known injustice. And you wouldn't love mercy unless you had been shown mercy yourself. And so when trouble comes our way, what do we get out of trouble? How is it actually a blessing to us? Well, it shows God's power. It shows God's performance. It shows, it reminds us, it shows us God's permanence. He's not going anywhere. And then finally, it shows God's protection. It shows God's protection. Verse number nine says, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Has it ever really started raining? Maybe it started hailing and you have said, I have got to get out of the storm. Maybe you uh, we're on a road trip and you pulled your car under the gas station awning and you wanted to protect, you wanted to have a refuge. You wanted to experience that shelter. That's what a refuge is. And the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. When the oppression is raining down, do you know what you're supposed to do? Run to the Lord. When the times of trouble are coming, where do you go? The Lord. The Lord is your refuge. Verse 10, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. If we were to be judged by our works, we would be found wanting. If we run to our works, we are guilty. If we run to our emotions, our experiences, our best effort, our strategy, we're guilty. But if you run to Jesus, if you make him your refuge, then you're safe. You're comforted. You're sheltered. Verse 10 again says, they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. To know the name of God, the true nature of God. Remember, that's what a name is. That's who somebody is. Somebody really is, their nature. To know the name of God is to trust him. And to trust him is to know him. The better you know God, the greater your trust in God develops. If you have a scant, piddly relationship with God, if you haven't read your Bible this week, then check yourself. If you haven't spent sincere time in the word of God, everything about your view of this world is skewed and it's incorrect. The Lord is where you need to run for your refuge. The Lord is who you need to seek to. Verse 10 says, he has not forsaken them that seek thee. 
If you've got a weak relationship with God, then you'll never have the pleasure of exploring the riches of his grace. If you still have your Bible, go to Romans 5. If you don't, I'm going to read it to you while I turn there in my Bible. I've got right here in front of me, Romans 5, beginning in verse number 3. The Bible says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can I just say, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's the gospel right there. Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus died to save you from your sins. Isn't that great? Well, we keep reading in Romans 8. And by the way, if you want to know what being a Christian means, read Romans 1 through 8, I'd say, and that'll take care of it. Romans 8 verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, I want you to think about these verses if you're going through trouble. And when you're going through trouble, these verses become very real. Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. Here we go. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In other words, we are going to experience tribulation in Christ, of course, here in this earth, of course. But verse 37, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, through Jesus Christ. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're going through trouble, remember that which was bitter to endure may be sweet to remember. You may look back years from now, tomorrow, whatever, and say, Lord, I appreciate what you allowed me to go through even when I was praying it would be removed. I love the song, uh, Sweet Things Out of Dark Places. I think that's what it's called. The Wisnets sing it. It goes, I want to know him better and I want to walk closer. I want to learn about the heart that was broken for me. It may require suffering, but Lord, I am willing for the darker the valley, the more clearly I see. Uh, the chorus goes, there will come sweet things out of dark places. Heavenly light where once it was dim. His touch will be sweeter and my love will be deeper. Out of dark, lonely places come sweet things from him. And if I am broken, these words will be spoken. Precious words I may never have had the privilege to hear. He said, I brought you to this valley just to show you my glory. Oh, how sweet is the darkness when the Father is near. I'm going to say that chorus again. There will come sweet things out of dark places. 
heavenly light where once it was dim. His touch will be sweeter, and my love will be deeper. Out of dark, lonely places come sweet things from Him. When we are faced with trouble, we get to know God better, and we are better for it.